Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Emma, she is from Sierra Leone, uh, grew up in a Muslim home, and came to know Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And when we finished the sermon last week, we were talking about the fact that she had uh, been baptized and invited many of her friends to her baptism as a witness about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This next lady is uh, Mariama. Mariama is Emma's friend. This last week, Emma, since last Sunday, Emma has been with our death missionaries in Africa in a big conference is going on learning more Bible stories, and she invited her friend Mariama to go to that conference with her. Mariama grew up in a Muslim home, but somewhere along the line, and don't ask me how this happened in Sierra alone, the witnesses came and she uh, became a follower of the Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, but she agreed to go to the conference. And at this conference this week, there's been preaching, there's been Bible teaching, all in sign. And uh, Mariama, uh, here, I want you to hear what she says. I received this text uh, midweek. The Bible is clear and not hard to understand. This is different from watching the Jehovah Witnesses teach a system of beliefs that must be followed. I can understand the Bible. It is clear to me. Then Mariama signed, based on the clarity of the Bible, I can share these stories with my deaf friends back home in Sierra Leone. These are stories of light, whereas before what I learned was shrouded in uncertainty and darkness and confusion. These are stories of light. Based on everything I've learned in these stories, I'm now ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. As I read Mary Amma's story this week, I was reminded of the story of Saul. Uh, Saul was a Pharisee, a very devout Pharisee, and uh, he was persecuting the Christians. If you go to the ninth chapter of Acts sometime and read that, that's the initial place you find the story of Saul. And he has received letters from the high priest that he can go and arrest Christians and bring them back for trial and, 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 and uh, persecution and punishment. And so he is on the road to Damascus because he's heard there's an active Christian church there, and he's going there. And, and upon that journey, suddenly, there's a great light. And it surrounds him and all of his company. And out of that light comes a voice. And it says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Paul, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want of me? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city that you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And there he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Tremendous story that is told. Paul uh, tells it several times in his writings. Uh, and 
where I want us to go this morning about that is in the uh, 26th chapter of Acts where Saul has been arrested. He has been arrested for being a follower of Jesus Christ and preaching the resurrection. And the Sanhedrin have brought him up for trial before the uh, local governor. And now he has been brought before King Agrippa, the king of the Jews. And so he stands before him. And uh, in that 26th chapter, it says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. And Paul stretched out his hand and answered, saying, I, th I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I am accused of by the Jews. So he is brought here uh, on trial before the king for teaching false doctrine, for blasphemy, uh, and the Jews are hopeful that the king will put him to death. And so in this 26th chapter, Paul makes an uh, an argument to the king. He presents the case for Christianity to the king. And the way he does that is he tells his personal testimony. He tells the story of what we just read a portion of that happened in Acts 9, where he is traveling along and suddenly he is blinded by the light, uh, the light of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who shines around him. And so this is his de defense before Agrippa. Uh, he, he says, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do the with the Jews, therefore I beg you, you hear with me patiently. He said, look, King, I know you understand Judaism, so listen to what I'm about to tell you, because Paul understood that Christianity flowed out of the Judaism, that it was God's plan to use the Jewish people to bring about the salvation of all people through his Lord and uh, Savior and his Son, Jesus Christ. So what he does is he gives his personal testimony to the king. And he begins by telling him, first of all, he tells him who, who he was. Uh, he was Saul. He says, my manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Paul said, listen, I was not only a Jew, I belonged to the strictest, the hardest sect of the Jewish faith, the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were legalists. They, they, they believed in the law, but they had added their own writings, their own teachings to the law, and they were the ones that were constantly uh, uh, challenging Jesus. Remember, they said, look, you eat and your guys don't wash their hands right, you don't keep the Sabbath right, and they were continually coming up with all these rules, all these rules that they had created extending on what God had given in his commandments. And Paul says, I was the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the strictest of all of them. I was an expert in God's law, <clears throat> in the books of Moses, and I was an expert in the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. That's who I was. And he goes on, he says what he believes. Look, look at not the ninth verse. I, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. He said, look, this is what I believed, and, and, and so I, the, I found these folks to be heretics. I found them to be blasphemous. And so I accused them before the high priests, and I got letters of indictment against them, and I brought them before them. 
And I even celebrated when they were put to death, when they were stoned for blasphemy. That's who I was and that's what I believe. The great theologian H. A. Arnside said, no man was ever more firmly convinced that Judaism was God's final word to mankind than Saul of Tarsus. He believed what he believed that he believed. He knew what he knew that he knew. And he put it into action against those who did not agree with him and did not believe as he believed. And then, having told who he was, where he came from, what he believed, he makes an amazing statement. He says, I was wrong. And he tells his testimony of the day he encountered the light, Jesus Christ, on the road to Damascus. And he says that he was wrong in all the things that he so firmly held that had become the center of his life, that he built his whole belief system and his whole life around. And he says to the king, it was wrong. Here's what I want you to understand. It is, it is possible to be sincere and devout and be completely wrong. It is possible to be sincere and devout and be completely wrong. Paul sincerely believed the teachings of the Pharisees. He sincerely believed that that was the only way to win God's favor and that you could do it by being a Pharisee and obeying God's law. He believed in a work religion that he could work his way into God's favor. He was sincere in that belief, so much so he was willing to persecute and put to death anyone who disagreed with what he said because he felt that was his duty. And yet he was wrong. Listen, the world is full of false religions, and people are sold out to those religions. They invest their lives in them, and they are sincere. Not only are there false religions, there are cults that, that call themselves Christian that are not, that do not understand who Jesus Christ really was and what Jesus Christ really came to do and what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. And they're sincere. Uh, if it, some of them, if they weren't, they wouldn't be out knocking on your door wanting to talk to you about their false teachings, their false belief. They, they're trying to work their way into God's grace, into God's favor. And we need to understand that. Um, it is a, a misplaced faith based on works. All of the other religions of the world are based on doing something to earn favor. But Christianity is based on an amazing thing that is a gift from God, is grace. It is the love that God extends to sinful mankind simply because He is God and we are His creation and He loves us. And Paul says that the Lord helped him in this to see that he had been sincere, but that he had been wrong. Uh, if you look at the 22nd and 23rd verses of that chapter, getting a little ahead of ourselves, therefore having obtained help from God, he said, listen, God revealed this to me. To this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than th those which the prophets and Moses said would come that Christ would suffer, 
that he would be the first to rise from the dead and proclaim light to the Jewish people and the Gentiles. He, he sums up the whole gospel in two verses. And he says, look, King, King Agrippa, th this is not, I, this, this was there all along. It was right in front of me, but I didn't see it. I didn't understand it, but it was written in Moses. And beginning with Moses, it, it, it tells the story throughout the Old Testament through the prophets and the wisdom literature and, and the Psalms that Jesus Christ would come as the Messiah. Not as a political figure, not as a powerful figure as man thinks, but as a suffering servant of God. As Isaiah said, he would be bruised for our iniquities. He would be chastised for our sins. He would be found unlovely by the world. But by his stripes we are healed. And, and, he, and he tells him, look at this. Look, all this would come and that he would suffer, that he would rise from the dead, and he would proclaim light. Man, there's a sermon right there. Three points. And Paul says to him, I was wrong, but I saw the light, and the Lord helped me see that. And Paul is radically changed. Up to this point, he has been called Saul. That was his Jewish name. But when he became a follower of Jesus, he changed from, he was, name was changed from Saul to Paul. And he was blinded by the light. And yet he, the light in his blindness revealed to him the blindness of his previous faith. Now, I don't know what you put your trust and hope in. But if your trust and hope is in anything other than Jesus Christ, it is false. And you can be as sincere you, as you want about falsehood and false teachings, but it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't win God's favor. He was radically changed by the light. If you look to the 16th and 18th verses of that 26th chapter, he talks about the fact that he is guided by that light. He says, but this is Jesus speaking to him. He has identified himself to Saul. And he said, listen, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I have yet to reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles for now, for, to whom now I send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He's got a new purpose. Jesus said, look, I'm appearing to you so that you might know truth. And I am calling you to proclaim that truth wherever you go. I want you to... Saul to become Paul, and I want you to be as sincere in being right as you were sincere in being wrong. I want you to be as zealous in being right as you were zealous in being wrong. And I want you to proclaim me, both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles alike. Uh, he, he's got a new message. Before it was do, 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 do. You got to do this, you got to do that. Don't, 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 don't do this, don't do that, don't do this over here. But now his message is done, done, done. On the cross, 
Jesus paid the price for his and your and my sins. On the cross, Jesus brought redemption. By his resurrection, he defeated death once and forever. And everything that needs to happen for a person to be saved and become an eternal soul in our Heavenly Father was done on Calvary's cross and validated by the resurrection and glorified by the ascension of Jesus Christ until his return for his church. And so he's got a new purpose. He's got a new message. It's a, it's, it's, it is a new thing that he's delivered to him. He tells him that he is, uh, I, I like that 16th, and my pages are sticking together, 16th verse. Uh, Rise, stand on your feet, for I have given you a purpose. Uh, he is to call them out of darkness, verse 18, into light. Turn men from darkness to light. John 1. Someone recently asked me, uh, they'd had a family member saved, and they asked about what to read for them first, and I said, the first thing you need to read is the book of John. In the beginning of the Word was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John begins by saying that Jesus Christ has always been. He's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He keeps everything going. And he took time out of all that to come and live among us as a man. And he was light in a dark and lost world. He came and he revealed what God is like. He revealed that God loves us. He revealed that there is a heaven for those who believe and trust in him and that there's a hell for those who do not. And he came and he was a light shining in the darkness for a brief 33 years. And John says that the darkness couldn't comprehend what he was saying. He came first to his own people. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests could not comprehend what he was teaching. And so they would not listen and they rebelled against him because it went against everything that they had established as their belief system. And John says that the dark light was in the darkness, but the darkness tried to cover it and smother it. He says, uh, and he goes on to talk about John the Baptist, and then he says, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. <clears throat> he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So this is what Paul is saying. He says, here's, here's the truth of it. Uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ was resurrected gloriously after his crucifixion, and he is alive. At one point as he's talking to, to Agrippa, he said, you, you know the beliefs, Agrippa, and you know it's not unreasonable to believe that God would raise his son from the dead. Um, he tells him, as he's talking to him, Jesus tells him not only to preach this 
in the darkness to preach this light, but to preach it that people might turn from the power of Satan to God. Now that's a marvelous statement. When you are lost and are in sin, you're under the power and the influence of Satan. And he will do anything he can to keep you from God's throne of grace. He will do anything he can to keep you from understanding that God loves you and that he extends his mercy to you through Calvary's cross. And Jesus tells Saul at this point, who is to become Paul, you need to be preaching this. This is why I'm sending you to turn people from this power that's not power at all to the ultimate power and authority of God. Uh, Paul was faithful to that mission. And everywhere he went, he preached the power of God. He wrote to the Romans. Remember what he wrote in that eighth chapter? He said, listen, God is so powerful, he can take even bad and bring good out of it. We saw that as we studied last week about King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a pagan, who was a king of Babylon, but God used him for God's purposes. And it is a false belief somehow that Satan and God are up here equal. There's no contest. God is all-powerful. And when we turn from Satan and all his false promises and all the things he promises us to God and his true promises, power flows into the life of a believer. Not fear of the unknown, but confidence in the one who holds the unknown in his hand. Not fear of death, but confidence in the one who through his resurrection defeated death forever. And that's the message that he was to pre preach, uh, that God would endow his believers and followers with power to live a victorious life. Listen, at one point Paul talks about how he's beaten down and, and everything's going against him on every side, but he says in the midst of it, I'm still victorious in Christ Jesus. Ready for eternal life. It is all possible because of the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Uh, he says that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, meaning faith in Jesus Christ. I read an article recently about a family that had been greatly split over a controversy in the family. And some of those people in the family had not spoken to each other in over 20 years. And a young new Christian believer decided to get the whole family together for a reunion. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that they would come together for the reunion. Uh, many of them had said very false, bad things about his father. And it had led to his own father taking his own life because of things family members said and did. And somehow God moved and he brought a large portion of this family together. And the young man stood up before them and he said, 
I recently have become a follower of Jesus Christ, and I want to give you the greatest gift of all. And it's, you can receive it or you cannot receive it, but I forgive you for all the things you said, for all the things you did, for the fact that it led to my father's death. I forgive you. Greatest gift of all. And that's the gift that God gave us in His Son, Jesus Christ, where He offers to us the ultimate and complete forgiveness. It's not contingent, okay? I don't have to do anything. It is a decision He made. It is a gift He extends. And I can take it or I can walk away from it. But if I accept it, it brings redemption. I'm washed in his forgiveness through the power of his blood. And my life is made new. And Jesus said that gives you an inheritance. Now we talk a lot about heaven. That's what we do. And somehow we think about that as the inheritance, you know, but the inheritance is more than that. It is the power of his presence in the life of the believer. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. It is the gift that the Spirit brings into the life of the believer and the fruit of the Spirit. It is a complete inheritance, not contingent on anything because it is a gift from him. And Jesus tells Saul, who is to become Paul, go preach these things and teach these things. So having given this testimony before the king, here's what he says in the 19th and 20th verses. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles and they that they should repent, turn to God, and do works for repentance. For these reasons, the Jews have seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Listen, he says, look, I, I was obedient to the light. I was blinded by the light, but my path in life was changed by the light. And I was obedient to the call and the command. And I began to teach that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I began to teach that He rose from the dead. I began to teach that He's ascended to be with the Heavenly Father. I began to teach these things, these truths, because they are life. They are, uh, life. And I've been faithful to that. And that's what l led to me being arrested and why I stand before you here today, King. Now here's a question. Was it worth it? He's not free. He's arrested. He has appealed his case to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. And at the end of this, as, as the king is talking with the governor, he said, if he hadn't appealed this case, I could have set him free because I find nothing he's done wrong. And he would have gone free. But he's appealed to go to Caesar. So to Caesar he will go. 
On that journey, Paul winds up going through many trials and tribulations, shipwrecked in the ocean, beaten, under house arrest in Rome, at one point chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. And finally, although the scripture does not record it, history does, he was executed because of his belief in Jesus Christ. And the question this morning is, was that worth it? Was it worth him giving up his earthly life for the gospel? Here's what he said in Philippians. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So I was sincerely wrong. I didn't have righteousness. I thought it came from the law. But I found righteousness that was given me, not because of anything I did, but because God loved me. And I accepted that gift. And it has cost me many things. But he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. By the way, that the New King James, that, that, that's a soft translation of that verse in Hebrew and in Greek, particularly in Greek. You know what he really says? I've counted it all manure. In other words, he said it was a bunch of K-R-A-P. Or is it C-R-A-P? I don't know. <laughs> he said it wasn't worth anything. And I'm here to tell you, if you're building your life on anything other than the truth of the gospel and, and, and the fact that Jesus Christ is a resurrected, ascended, glorified Son of God, it is rubbish. It is of no value. I was called out one time by a vocational preacher and had an auction business, and I was called out to a fellow who had died. He was 90 years old. And he had kept everything he ever had in his life. <laughs> I mean, he had, I, you couldn't believe it. But the problem was he had a barn, and that barn was as big as, as this building. It was a huge, massive barn. And everything he had saved over the years was in that barn. And he had some great, great antiques. Worth a lot of money, except for one fact. The roof in the barn was just tore up in a storm and he never fixed it. And all that water had come in on everything in that building and it was now worthless. Remember the story of the Jesus told about the man who had a farm and barns? And he said, man, I've, I've got it made. My barns are full to overflowing. I've got enough to last me forever. And that was... Jesus said, tonight your soul will be required of you, and what good will the things in the barn do you? Paul said, everything that I was building my life on, everything I was counting on, my own righteousness, were all rubbish and of no value. But I found Jesus, 
And it was all worth it. Emma was beaten by her family and driven out of her home. Her husband abandoned her. She found faith in Jesus Christ and many of her friends went away. But if she had texted me this week, which she can't do because she's signed, she's deaf, she would point to Mariama and say, everything I've gone through was worth it because now she believes in Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.